Happy halfway through summer. And uh, glad you guys are here today. If this is your first time, again, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're glad that uh, you're here with us this morning. And uh, we're talking about forgiveness in this last, uh, last week of our series on, on peace. And so as we get ready, I'd love for you to gather just a few things um, because we have lots to do. So you need a pen. You definitely will need a pen. Some of you will look at me and you're like, I will defy your pen request, but you will need one. So grab one around you. You'll need a program, so you'll need that too. But most of all, you will definitely need a little three by five card. So gather all those things that are underneath your chair and, uh, and, and scattered around there. So uh, you'll need the three by five card first, and then I'm going to give you a few things uh, to jot down in your program this morning. Um, this is a tough, tough topic. As we talk about forgiveness this morning, uh, instantly your mind will probably call some, some images of, of things that have happened in your life. Some heartache, uh, some hurts, some problems. There might be uh, bitterness and, and anger that resides in you when we talk about forgiveness or the lack thereof. There could be uh, some rage even if the offense in your life was over 20 years ago. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I hear stories all the time like people just saying, man, I cannot believe this guy. And how, when did, it was 20 years ago, you know? As if, because sometimes this, these feelings come up as if it was yesterday. It's still, still raw. You can wince a little bit when you start thinking about forgiveness. Because we have all been, haven't we? We've all been on the receiving end of pain. Probably all of us would say we've had our fair share, uh, disappointing relationships, and uh, we've all been let down. We've all kind of been stomped upon at times, uh, whether it be a family member, maybe someone sitting next to you, maybe, I mean, definitely, probably somebody even here in this church. There are offenses all over the place. So this morning, I'm going to be asking you to do a very, very, very bold thing. This is probably one of the boldest things that, that we have asked here at KTU, and that is to come face-to-face with some topics of forgiveness. And I'm going to ask you to do a, a pretty scary thing. Grab your three-by-five card, will you? Grab that, grab a pen, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do, is I want you to think about somebody that you have had a very difficult time forgiving, somebody that... And somebody that when you think about them, oh, you just want to maybe avoid them or go the other way, or somebody you're like, oh, this, this, maybe this rage or this anger is still there. You might be saying about this person, I could never forgive them. Like, that's, that's not going to be an option. Uh, and I don't even want to write that person's name down, right? So that's what I want you to do. I actually do want you to write that person's name down. But here's the thing. They might be sitting next to you. So you can use code. You can write squirrel. You can write, you know, you can write a math equation. I don't care. Am I a little too loud for you guys? I feel really loud. Sound guy? I'm pretty loud. Thanks, Jeff. Um, that's what I want you to do. Write it down. You're looking at me. Write it down. Write it down. Write, write something down. Something. Draw a picture. Write something down. Could be a situation connected to a person, but I want you to write that down. And uh, I know some of you are thinking like, huh, I know where Andy's going. He's going to make us do something with this, and you're right. So you need to have this written down. Okay, you got it? You can write, uh, you can draw shapes, you know, if you want, (laughs) whatever it is. And no peeking, that's just cheap, all right? Don't look at your neighbor's thing and uh, and, uh, check it out. So don't do that. No peeking at all because this is is pretty serious. 
So as we get started, uh, to kick this off, I just want to go through some, some faulty misconceptions, maybe some, some concepts about forgiveness that are myths. They are not true. Because if you ask people to define forgiveness, you're probably going to get five or six different definitions. So here are some myths that are not true. You can write these down if you want. Forgiveness is not condoning. You can just write the word condoning. Forgiveness is not condoning what someone has done to you. In other words, forgiveness is not acting like it was no big deal. Forgiveness is not acting like you weren't hurt. It wasn't acting like, ah, it's just a small thing, don't worry about it. Because most of the time, when you have to do something connected with forgiveness, and again, let's just put this in frame of reference here. I'm not talking about knocking somebody's coffee over, right? We're talking about deep wounds here. When you've got to extend that sort of forgiveness, it normally is a big deal. There normally is quite a bit of hurt connected to that. It's huge. So forgiveness is not simply ignoring the seriousness of the offense. That's a myth. That's not true. Acting as if you were not hurt and you were not wounded by it. That is not that has nothing to do with forgiveness. All right, here's the second thing. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Don't you love that little phrase? Because we learned it since we were little kids, right? Your mom would say forgive and forget. Right? Just forgive and forget. It's so nice, isn't it? Just be nice. Just forgive and forget. It's so sweet. Here's the problem with that. You can't do it. It's not possible when we're talking about big offenses. It's not possible because it doesn't work that way. It is impossible for you to forget everything that people have done to you. Some of the big ones, the things that can really go down deep to the core of who you are, those things are pretty hard to forget, aren't they? How am I supposed to forgive and forget? I can't do that. Do you remember the last scene in the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember? The one that everyone just went, oh, and immediately started running out and checking warehouses. Remember that? They took the Ark of the Covenant, and I'm talking about the original uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? They took the Ark of the Covenant, and they wheeled it in there, and it got crated up, and it went back way far, and the camera pans back, and it's this huge warehouse, and everyone went, oh, there's got to be a sequel. And we were right, you know, movie upon movie, and it's never answered the question, where is that? You know, scientists have proved that our brains are really similar. The inside of our brains is this giant warehouse filled with thousands and thousands upon thousands of cabinets, these file cabinets, and we never actually really forget everything, especially the deep stuff that really hurts us. And the more important the event, or the more horrible the event, or or significant the event, whatever you want to fill in there, the more likely it is that you're going to remember that. And sometimes things will trigger that, won't they? You'll be walking along and you'll smell a, a, a particular smell and you'll be like, oh, and you're transported back. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or you might see a particular thing or experience a, or a, see a picture or a place or oh, may, maybe hear that song and you're immediately, you're back in that moment. And sometimes the moments are great and sometimes the moments aren't. But we get triggered like that and the same is true with pain. Sometimes, and you know what I'm talking about, just a word can trigger pain or circumstance, and suddenly these feelings come flooding back. This past pain is, is back, and it could have been 20 years ago, and suddenly it's back, and this tender spot is open again. And in your mind, you're kind of reliving the whole entire scenario. It's hard to forgive, especially when we, we, we buy into this myth. I can't forgive 
because I can't forget. And so therefore I can't forgive. And it's a myth. Because forgiveness is not about forgetting. That's not, that's not the case. It's a total myth. The truth is you may never forget because you're not God. And it's, sometimes it's virtually impossible to forget. The mem- memories may start to fade over time, don't they? They kind of do. The, the, the edge kind of wears away a little bit. But forgiveness is not contingent upon forgetting. Here's another myth. Forgiveness is not also just about resuming a relationship without change. It doesn't mean that once I forgive you or you forgive me that, that sometimes, it, hey, we're good to go. Good to go. Don't worry about it. Oh, so glad we got past that. And we're talking about deep wounds here, right? It, it, it's, it's not just going back to the way things were. It's not true. Because see, while, while forgiveness is based on, on grace, the foundation of, of, of forgiveness is based in grace, trust still has to be earned. And so sometimes forgiveness is really actually about remembering what happened. So it doesn't get repeated again, especially if the offense is repeated over and over and over again. Now, we are called by God, and we're going to go into this in a few minutes. We are called by God and commanded by God to forgive again and again and again and again, but we are not obligated to instantly trust. That's a myth. And just act like everything is fine. Because consequences still linger, don't they? Even after forgiveness has been given. All right, so those are a couple myths. How are we doing? Trust, trust is not, uh, it, doesn't, it has to be built, right? Forgiveness is not just condoning what someone has done. It's just not for, forgetting what they have done, right? Because that's kind of impossible uh, for, for deep offenses. Tr- uh, forgiveness is not just resuming with a relationship as if nothing has happened, all right? That's what forgiveness is not. We're going to spend the balance of our time here talking about, and it's actually a very, very simple question, but as we get into it, you're going to be, man, there's some layers to pull back on this question. But, but we're going to look at this one simple question in this. Why in the world should I ever forgive someone who's hurt me? We could shorten it up and say, why should I forgive? Why should you forgive it's very easy to give the pat answer on this, but there's some layers that we're going to pull back and, and, and look at this. This is one of the toughest topics. I got to tell you, when, when I meet with people or I, I start hearing people's story, this is a major topic that comes up again and again and again. Offenses where people have been hurt, they've been wronged, they've been deeply battered and, and they're hurting and their heart is open and it's oozing and forgiveness is right at the core of it. And so while it's a very simple question, why should I forgive? The answer is sometimes very complex. Look at your three-by-five card again. Some of you in here, not everybody, but some of you in here are, are looking at that and, oh, it's all you could do to, to write it down. Or maybe you wrote down another one because your number one was like, no way. Right? Anybody? Don't raise your hand. If you laughed, you're, you're, I got you. Because sometimes that hurt festers into a grudge. Sometimes it turns into bitterness. The anger starts to take over towards somebody in the past who has wounded you, whatever it is. So we're going to look at why. Why should I forgive? Why is that the way of peace? What does it have to do with peace anyways? And what are the benefits of that? 
Check out the screen here. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. It's going to actually be the bulk of our, our text today. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23, Jesus was with his disciples and a bunch of other folks, and he began to tell a, 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 a parable, a story about forgiveness, because one of the disciples, Peter, brought it up. And Jesus jumps in here in 23, and he begins to answer some thoughts about forgiveness, about why, why, and what are the benefits of it. And here we go in verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like, and this is very important here because we're getting an insight into what God is like, what the kingdom is like, and and kind of the values of the kingdom. So we're getting an inside look here. It's very cool. The doors are opening up onto the kingdom of, of, of heaven here. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and he began to, uh, he began the settlement. A man who owned him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and since he was not able to pay, the master ordered him that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Sold into what? Slavery. Verse 26, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. The word patient there can, can literally mean be big hearted. Be big hearted with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Whew, it's a good day. Verse 28, but when the servant went out, he found one of the fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. So he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what was happening, they were greatly distressed, and they went, and they told their master, the king, everything that had happened. Verse 32, then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. All right, let's stop here and just kind of review this this story for a second. We got some characters. There's first servant number one. Servant number one works for the king, and he actually owes a huge sum of money. Character number two is the king. And the king is reviewing his financial records. He's kind of going over his statement. He's, he's kind of settling up all of, his, all of his accounts. There's another servant. We'll call him servant number two. He actually owes money to servant number one. He also works for the king. And then there's a bunch of other cronies. We'll call them servants five through seven or ten or whatever because we don't know how many there were. They're kind of on the sidelines watching all of this happen. One day the king grabs his ledger and he opens it up and he starts to look at his accounting. And he sees all of his business here. He's a good businessman because he's settling his accounts. He's looking in there. He can see the the pluses and the minuses. And he can see the black and the red and, and all the math. And he's looking at it. And he decides to start collecting on some of his debts. So what's he do? He calls servant number one in. And he says, aha, look at this. It's time to pay up. You actually owe me quite a bit of money. You owe me a lot. In fact, you owe me, let me check it out here, 10,000 talents. Does that mean anything to anyone? <laughs> no. Okay, let's do, let's do some conversion here. Check it out on the screen here. Here's the debt. One denarii is equal to one day's wage. 
all right? 6,000 denarii are equal one talent. So this guy's debt is about 10,000 talents. If you were to start kind of doing some math here and kind of multiplying this out, to make that kind of cash would take this guy, how many, how many years? Let's say it together. 60, everyone's afraid. I don't know, where the, where's the comma? Million, 60 million days of work. Is that ridiculous? It's ridiculous. And I think when, when, when the crowd was listening to Jesus tell this story, they probably went, oh, come on. That's impossible. How could he do it? 60 million days of work. Now, this guy is probably really either really bad with investing or he's a lousy worker. I don't know what happened here, but he is way far in debt. That is a boatload of debt. But see, we have to understand something about this story of forgiveness is that's by design. That's the crux of the story. See, this whole entire story is not about just a large sum of money versus a, a very small sum of money. That's not what the story is about. The story is about an unrepayable, that's unrepayable right there, that number, an unrepayable sum of money versus a small amount. And so servant number one starts to beg, and he begs, and he begs, and he begs. And what does he get? Ding! He gets mercy. He gets mercy. And the book goes away and he gets relief. Servant number one immediately leaves and he runs out. And the first guy he sees is servant number two. And he's got his own book. And he goes, you owe me a thousand, right? A thousand denarii. A hundred denarii, sorry. You owe me a hundred denarii. And that is about three months worth of wage in that day. Now, would that be possible to pay back? Yeah, I mean, if you had to pay back three months' worth of salary right now, that would be very, would that be difficult? That would be hard. But could you do it? It's not the end of the world. Yeah, it might take you a while, but you could actually probably get that done. But notice what servant number two actually says in verse 29. We might have it here. In verse 29, he says this. He says, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. Does that sound familiar? It's what servant number one had just said to the king. Servant number two says, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. It's the same exact phrase. What is servant number one, the, the unmerciful servant, what does he do? What anybody in the right mind would do. What does he do? He begins to choke him, right? I guess that's a good game plan. You know, I want my money. And he starts choking this guy. And then he has him thrown into jail to be, what was the word? Did you see it in the text there? What, what's going to happen in jail? To be tortured. Wow, it's pretty rough. This is witnessed by a bunch of other servants who report him. Gets back to the king. King gets ticked off. Servant number one gets thrown into jail until his debt can be repaid. Can it be repaid? No, it cannot. It is unrepayable. Jesus then adds this stinger onto the very end of this parable in verse 35 here. Look at it on the screen. Jesus adds this, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. How will God treat us if we don't forgive? Well, apparently, according to this passage here, it's torture. Wow. I mean, that's what's happening here. He's being thrown into jail. It's torture. Unless you and I forgive our brothers, and I would add our sisters, from our heart. 
the distinction there is not just simply lip service. Because we say it a lot, don't we? I'm sorry. Yeah, whatever. I hope you get past it. Sorry I hurt you. It's actually from the heart, the forgiveness. So as we're answering this question, why must I forgive? Here's the first thing I want to pull out of this passage here. I'm going to give you three little, three little thoughts here right out of the, Matthew 18 here. The first point is this, and you can just jot it down if you want. I must forgive because I'm going to need forgiveness in the future. I've got to forgive because my day is coming where I'm going to need it. In fact, you don't have to raise your hand right now. I'll just raise my hand for you. Some of you already needed forgiveness before you got out of the house this morning with your spouse, right? Yeah, I know. Some of you several times, right? And, and you don't know what the afternoon looks like. Just in looking in my past, past week, I was, I, I was writing this down last night. I'm like, wow, I did not have a great track record. And I thought it was a pretty decent week. And I don't have actually a very good track record. So here's, here's what happened this last week. I had two thoughtless actions that totally ticked my wife off. And she was totally justified. I was a jerk. I had to ask for forgiveness for her twice this week. And from my daughter, once. Three times I was in the doghouse this week. Wow. And I thought it was a great week. What is wrong with me? Some of you totally have me beat on that. Because the point is that we are in need of grace big time, aren't we? Big time. There was a man uh, who came up to the great theologian, uh, John Wesley, and he once said, my wife has hurt me so much, I will never forgive her. And Wesley said to, her, said to him, and sir, I hope you never ever sin. You and I are in great need of forgiveness in the future. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. Oh man, this, this is kind of one of those ouch verses. There is not a single person in the earth who is good and never sins. The bottom line is that, and I'll just use myself for example, if you hang out with me long enough, you and I are, are spending time together, I'm going to end up letting you down. I'm going to disappoint you. Some of you writing in your margin right now, note to self, don't avoid Andy at K2. Don't hang out with Andy, right? Because I will. I'm going to totally uh, disappoint you. Some of you, don't, please don't raise your hand. Some of you could say, I've been disappointed by Andy Marshall. Why are you laughing? See, now that's, it's just like worse than raising your hand. <laughs> and the truth is, some of you will disappoint me. Because if you're sucking air and you're living on this earth, you and I are going to need, sooner or later, we are going to need forgiveness. Why do I forgive? Because I'm going to need forgiveness from you. Here's the second point out of Matthew chapter 18. Why must I forgive? Why must you forgive? Because if you don't, if I don't, then resentment and bitterness will imprison me. You want to write a key word? Just write the word prison there. If you and I do not forgive, you and I will end up imprisoned. You've probably noticed that in your own heart, in your own life. If you don't forgive somebody, it always ends up, oh man, it always ends up hurting you more than it does the other person, doesn't it? It's like you're carrying around this weight. Why aren't they suffering? Why, why isn't not, they're just getting on with their life like nothing happened and I've got to carry all this around. And sooner or later, this prison turns into this, these walls of bitterness, and I keep holding these grudges, and these walls start going up around me, and before long, people that don't even, I have problems with, can't even get in because I'm in this prison of anger and bitterness. Have you ever done that to yourself? Oh, man, again, if you're sucking air, you're doing this, is what the Scripture says. 
worry, and guilt, and fear, and bitterness, and resentment imprison us. Back to the parable, the king was just, he was horrified when he heard that this servant went out, that he had just forgiven. And in today's economy, that would be about $12 million. What? He just forgave him $12 million, and the servant goes out and strangles a guy for the equivalent of 16 bucks. This king was livid. He was angry. And in verse 33, here's what he said to the servant, servant number one. He said, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be what? Tortured. In other words, the the king actually gives this guy a taste of his own medicine. He throws him into jail. The Greek word for, for jailer there in the Greek literally does mean torturer. One who tortures. These are the guys that stretch you out on the rack, right? They have no respect for you. That's the kind of things that were happening in there. These guys in this story were, 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 were just being tortured. Because of what in the story? Because of unforgiveness. So when I look at what I think Jesus is talking about here in this parable, I think Jesus is literally talking about this, this hell on earth that you and I sometimes create in our own life because of our refusal to forgive. This forgiveness that, that, that we, we won't engage. And because we won't engage, it turns into resentment and bitterness and anger that always ends up hurting us. And most of the time, the person that has offended us is completely oblivious to it. They're not even aware most of the time. And we're only torturing ourselves. Last week, uh, I heard a story. Uh, any NPR fans in here? Heard a story on Supermax Prison. Familiar with this deal? I think there's one. I, I might be wrong on that, but I think there's one in the United States. This one Supermax Prison. It's where the worst of the worst offenders go. So guys like, uh, I'm going to s- totally mess up these guys' name. What is his name? Zacharias Musawi. Did I say that right? Musawi? Yeah? And uh, R- uh, Ramsey Youssef, Richard Reed, uh, Ted Krasinski, and I, did I get that guy right? You know, the Unabomber and all these different guys. They're, they're housed in Supermax prison right now. That's where the bad boys go. There's about 400 dudes that live there. And it, it is, it, it's like the modern-day Alcatraz. And as I was listening to this story, they were talking about how horrific it is on the inside, not because the conditions are poor, because it's actually, I think it's a newer prison. It's not that the conditions are bad, it's because of the isolation. And, and that, the isolation is just horrible at Supermax, but they even have different levels of isolation. They actually have a place called Range 13, and it's not just Supermax. Like, Supermax sounds really bad, right? You're going to Supermax crud, right? I'm going to Supermax. But if you go to Supermax and you're really, really, really bad, you go to Ultramax, golly, and in Ultramax, also known as Range 13, it is complete 100% isolation. You don't actually even see a guard. They move you around like cattle. Right now, there are two guys in there. Two guys in the United States are in Ultramax. They move them from, from hallway to hallway with doors that open and close, and they never see anyone. What's their punishment? Isolation. Isolation. That's exactly what resentment and anger and bitterness does to us. They have the same effect. 
when you and I refuse to extend forgiveness to each other, we actually become the prisoner. And for some of you, as you look down at that three-by-five card, as angry as you are at that person or as as hurt as, as you are by them, some of you are hating life right now because of the lack of grace and forgiveness and it's robbing your life, consuming you. Listen to me, because bitterness is like a termite. Bitterness literally can like wear holes in your soul. It's worse than cancer. Cancer, you know, eats you up physically. Bitterness eats you up spiritually. And in the end, it ruins you. And it isolates you from God. And I truly believe that God just steps aside and said, I'm not going to have any part of that bitterness. The person that you're angry against, the person that you won't forgive, guess what? I forgave their sin on the cross. I won't stand with you on this one. And we're left isolated, angry, and hurt because of our bitterness. Why do I need to forgive? Why do you need to forgive? Because in the future, I'm going to need it from you. You're going to need it from me. We will all need forgiveness in the future. The second is that this this bitterness imprisons me. Here's the third one. We're going to end on this. You and I have got to forgive in this way of peace because of this. I've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. Let's go back to this parable for a moment here. Why did the king, because this is, this is a question, why did the king forgive the, ser- the servant's debt? I actually want you to answer that in your mind. Why did the king forgive the servant's debt? I mean, was it because the, the servant got on his knees and begged and pleaded and, and, and the king went, wow, that's really compelling and sure, I'll just you know, forgive $12 million? Do you think that was it? I don't, I don't think so. Do, do you think it was the fact that, that, that because the king thought, well, man, this, the servant probably really could pay this debt back, so I'll, you know, I'll just kind of let him go. Maybe he'll work it off. No, this king was a shrewd businessman. So why did the king forgive the debt? Look at verse 27. The servant's master, the king, took, what's the word? What's the text say? Pity. He took pity on him. Pity means compassion. Pity means he had grace. He looked at this man. He considered this man. Maybe he considered his wife and his family, his children. He considered his heart, and he was moved to compassion. And then something really, 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 listen to this, something really profound, fundamentally profound, happens right in this moment with this king. This king has this really, really good accounting system. He's a businessman. He's got all the checks and the balances. He does it by the book. That's how the whole entire story starts. By the book. He calls him in and something profound happens in this moment. Because what happens is the king does the amazing. He thinks to himself, if I stick with this accounting system, the checks and the balances 
This guy won't ever pay me back anyways. So what's the king do? He closes the ledger. And then he does something absolutely amazing. He just tosses it. He tosses the book. He changes the system. I want you to answer this question now. Where did the debt go? Where'd the debt go? Who, who, who now bears the cost of the debt? Who ate the money? The king did. The king bore the debt. And so Jesus is here. He's telling this story in which a king pays the price where a king decides not to live by the system, not to live by the book, and he bears the cost and eventually kind of dies to the whole bookkeeping system and he tosses the book. Why? So that the servant can have life. See, forgiveness requires that somebody carries the wrong that you do. Somebody bears the cost of the wound. And so here's a king who bears that cost, who pays that price so that the servant can live. And do you know what that is? That is the gospel for you and me. Amen? That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God tosses the books. And by doing that, he tosses your shame. By doing that, he tosses the grievances against you. He tosses anything that stands in the way of you and the Father. He tosses that and he doesn't hold that against you any longer. He pays the price in a new system of forgiveness and grace. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 shows us what he did. It says he is so, here it is, as a king, he is so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom through the blood of his son and our sins are forgiven. Why must you and I forgive? Because we have been forgiven by the king who tossed the book. He literally purchased our freedom through the blood of Jesus Christ. He extended unspeakable grace to you and to me. I got to tell you guys, when I read this, it's almost like God was saying, Marshall, Listen up, Marshall. I just, I tossed your book away. It's forgiven. Everything that you've ever done, and for you, everything in the past, what you have done or what others have done to you has been tossed. Why do I forgive? Because God has forgiven. And out of that forgiveness comes an expectation from God that when the king tosses the ledger, and changes the system and forgives the debt. The expectation is that you and I toss the, our ledgers. But notice then in, in, in the story, what did, what, did, what did the servant do? He immediately grabbed his and went out, didn't he? Where, where's the ledger in the king's hand? It's gone. Where's the ledger in the servant's hand? Clenched. He's holding on to it. He's holding it against others. And sadly, in the end, the king says, all right, if that's the system you want, then that's the system you get. And he tosses him into jail, into prison, to be tortured. 
Here's the key, and we're going to end on this. The key to, to really understanding forgiveness is that you experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. The key to fully understanding true forgiveness is that you personally yourself have experienced the book on your life being tossed out. And because your book has been tossed by God, true forgiveness comes out of that where you now have the ability to toss the book on other people's lives. See, a lot of you, it actually makes you feel good, and I understand it because I, I do it in my life as well. We carry around our ledgers, and in our flesh, we do checks and balances. Great, Dave Nelson said hello to me this morning. He gets a good check. He didn't answer my email. He gets a bad check, and it goes on and on and on and on and on, right? Because we feel good about that. Or we do it with God. Hey, God, I showed up for church today. Good ledger account. Good, good. I thought about you this today. Good. Okay, good. I read my Bible. All these things. And then over here, what kind of things would be in your negative category? How many pages do you want? But somehow it makes us feel good to keep a ledger. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is God saying, I do not keep a ledger. I do not hold it against you. So that then you have the ability, once you have tasted my forgiveness through what Christ did on the cross, you have the ability, after you have received the grace, to forgive those who have hurt you. Today, some of you need to taste that. Some of you have not truly tasted that grace. Maybe out of fear. Maybe out of thinking you're not qualified for it. Maybe out of thinking that God would never accept who you are or where you've been or what you've done. And so you've hold back from the forgiveness because you don't think that he would accept you. Newsflash, the, the book is gone. And experiencing God's grace is simply coming before him and saying, God, I want all of you in all of me. Today, I receive that forgiveness. Today, I receive all of your grace and I place my trust in you. And I'm telling you, if you would pray that today, if you would confess to God your need for him, you are free. And then the second part of forgiveness takes over. As the band comes up, I want to throw out a little tiny challenge for you. It seems tiny. For some of you, this is going to be an Everest. This will be the, the summit that is hard to, hard to walk up to. God says, once you have received my grace, extend it. Take your own ledger and throw it out. I want you to look down at that three by five card that you have. Look down it. Who in your book, and it could be the person written on this three by five card, who is it that you've been keeping a record of wrong against? Who has wronged you that you have not forgiven? Who has wounded you? Who has betrayed you? Slandered you? Gossiped? Cheated? Pained you? Who, who is that? Who have you not extended forgiveness to? For some of you, the, the, the name that you wrote down on that card or whatever you did to represent that person, for some of you, there is a lot of pain connected to that name. 
I, already, I know my name. I know it. I've been thinking about it for days now. I know the name that I'm, I'm, is on my card. And you know and you look at this name on your card. And there, for some of you, it's, it's nights of suffering. For some of you, it's years of suffering that you've been carrying around this resentment, this, where you've been wounded to the core of who you are. And it's almost become a, a way of life to you, just being angry at this individual. And this anger has turned to bitterness. And before you know it, these walls have imprisoned you. And today I want to challenge you to set yourself free. And in doing so, you set them free. And again, this isn't about pretending. It's not pretending that that nothing happened. Can you turn down the music a bit, Jeff, please? This isn't about forgetting. If I forgive, it's not that I just forget what's going on. It's not about consequences. It's not about that I'm saying it's okay. What forgiveness is actually doing is giving them the same grace that you have received. It's a courageous act. And as the band plays, I want to really encourage you to be bold in this moment and to grab this card and throw it in the can. Four weeks ago, you wrote on your card, you wrote the grievances against you, didn't you? Four weeks ago. The grievances against you that Satan has. And at the end of that service, you brought up those grievances and laid it before the foot of Jesus. Today, as a bookend of this series, I want to challenge you to take the grievances that you have against others. And as you walk up, to throw it in the can. For some of you, you're like, okay, listen, I don't know if I could just do this right now. So simply throwing it in the can means you might just not simply kill the person, right? I mean, let's be honest here. For some of you, throwing it in the can is symbolic of I might actually consider what you're saying, Andy. Or I might actually just consider to pray through this because maybe I've been carrying this around for 10 years. Maybe you've been struggling this with 20. It's going to take a while to unpack this, but I'm willing to actually just take one courageous step forward. And maybe that's what it is when you throw it in the can today. For others of you, it might be, I'm done. I'm done carrying this weight. I'm done. I've received the grace, and I'm going to give the grace. I don't want to carry it anymore. And as you throw it in the can, you know what happens? God is glorified. His victory is revealed through your life. No longer does Satan have this established foothold. Grace wipes that away. And so are you willing to take that step to experience that forgiveness, that victory from your bitterness, from your anger, and give it to God today? That's the way of peace. That's what he calls us to. He's the only one that can bring it. Oh man, some of you are thinking, on my own strength, I would never do this. <laughs> I'm with you. But when you throw God into the mix of this thing, the ultimate grace, when you have experienced that, He will give you the power. He will give you the boldness, the courageousness, the courage to forgive. As they play the song, why don't you come forward, and I'm going to pray for us right now. I'm going to pray for that boldness and that courage. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Oh, Jesus, God, right now, we just, we totally invite you into our pain. God, we invite you into our uh, struggles and the conflict that we feel. And Lord, quite honestly, it feels like we're swimming in it sometimes. And, and uh, 
There's some deep pain. There's some deep abuse. There's wounds that run deep. Offenses that people have done to us. Some of them are really fresh, maybe from last week. Some of them have been years. God, we invite you into all that. You're not scared of it. You know it all. There's nothing that's secret from you. And God, right now in this moment, we pray that you would give us incredible amount of courage. I pray for the folks in this room that are looking at that card going, oh man, there's just no way. How could I do this? God, that you would remind them of the grace that they have received. And then God, give them the power to set themselves free through your grace, your power, and set others free from this weight and this bitterness and this anger that they've been carrying around, God. And Lord, in this decision, that you would bless them. God, we, we desire to be a people that live in peace. Oh, Lord, we need it every day. And this isn't going to be the last trash can we throw things into. This won't be the last time that we've got to struggle through this. So God, go before us. Continue to remind us of your great love. Your, your love story. How you have just pursued us. Even sending your, your son to die for us. What an amazing love note from you. What an amazing act. Sacrifice reconciliation. Lord, we love you. Our praise and our worship is for you today. In Jesus' name, amen.